Welcome to the Far From Average podcast where we interview people and speak about topics that are far from average so you can take your business and your life to the next level. And I have an extremely special guest with kind of a recurring topic on the podcast that I think a lot of you guys are going to get massive value out of, which is transitioning from athletics and pursuing athletics to a career, to being an entrepreneur, to being an investor. And I have Charles here with me today who's a regional finance manager for one of the largest private banks in um, in America and who is a, a real estate agent, or not agent, excuse me. He's a real estate investor who invests in properties all across the nation. And I'm extremely excited because I, I have a personal interest in learning about getting into real estate and how the how the banks lend money to other businesses. So uh, without further ado, introducing uh, Charles. Yeah, hi, it's uh, great being here. You know, I'm, again, Charles from the Bay Area, California. I'm a regional finance manager, um, also a business owner, and a land baron. Man, and I, I love your story because you got, you, you were playing basketball, and where did you play basketball at again? At Notre Dame Denimir University. And Division Two in uh, California. Division Two in California. Yeah. So we're talking pretty high level. We're not even talking, we're talking a few steps above junior college, just one step under division one basketball where the heavy hitters are playing. So you're playing with some high and high level games and high level individuals. Like what was that experience? Not only getting there, but how was it when you did get there? Like what were your thoughts and your dreams and what were you trying to accomplish going division two? Yeah, the opportunity was great. Um, you know, it was in the Pac West. That's actually one of the best, uh, conferences in Division Two, uh -huh. Pac West, uh, Chaminade's in it, uh, Hawaii Pacific, you know, a few other colleges. Yeah, too. I've heard of those. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. You know, you get to travel around um, pretty much the west side of the country, also Hawaii. Uh -huh. um, you know, get all expenses paid for, also right. your schools, and um, you know, on the way, um, it's pretty much just a, a great opportunity. I would yeah. Say. yeah. What did you study? Because when I was thinking of going to play junior college at the offers that I got yeah. the reason I didn't really want to go is because everything that I was considering studying was like useless like I was just gonna do like you know how a lot of athletes just kind of take whatever yeah communications and whatnot yeah like I was like I have no use for any of that I don't know what I'm gonna use that for what did you study yeah I studied business and admin and I also had a minor in accounting a minor in accounting yeah. and obviously you got massive value out of that you got that degree for free so in that instance, I think it was a great thing that you leveraged your skills to actually learn something. I, a mistake I see a lot of people make is just going just to go and not really having an idea or a plan for, and I don't want to say backup, but like you want to be cultivating skills along the way. What skills did business and the accounting, would you say, what, what did that major help you cultivate as far as skills? Yeah, it makes sense. Well, you know, at a young age, it's hard to decide where you're trying to guide your life. Yeah, so I absolutely. See, you know, what, um, you know, picking a, a major that early, you know, it's hard to, you know, pick between you know, which way you're going to yeah, go. Yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah, there's many ways. Um, with business, you know, it, business admin is pretty much a general uh, business. So it uh -huh. just gave me, you know, everything that I needed to um, pretty much pick what field I want to go in after college because, um, you know, I had a little taste of everything. And then with the accounting, um, it pretty much pushed me towards the, the finance. 
yeah. section. Yeah. So were you thinking of a plan B as soon as you got there or was it something that you started to realize you needed as time went on? Yeah. My plan once I first got there was, okay, I'm at division two to get oh. to the NBA. You need to most likely be D one, especially, you know, on my height. Um, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to get there, transfer to a D1 uh-huh. the year after and try to get to the league. So that was my mindset going in. Right. But, you know, by sophomore, junior year, you, you know, you kind of realize time is ticking against you. Yeah. And if you're not going to go overseas and change your life like that, then, you know, you, you have to pretty much pick a, a different field. Why didn't you decide to go overseas or pursue overseas? Okay. Uh, well, I, you know, I was injured. Um many times and my junior year uh-huh. it, it pretty much almost took me out. I broke my foot I was going to be out for uh, a whole year so from there I had to you know make a quick decision yeah what I'm gonna do and honestly it was more about the money for me because you know I want to all the money I get I want to put to passive income you know generate something that I don't have to work for and um in, in my eyes overseas wasn't paying enough yeah, I 100% agree. That's, yeah. I never even got to that point, but when I was, like, looking at some of the salaries, I was like, dang, this is, like, yeah. McDonald's salaries. Yeah, exactly. and a lot of Sometimes these, lower. Yeah, in a lot of these countries, and it's great that I'm playing a game that I love, but I got to provide for myself. Like, I want, exactly. like you said, passive income. So at what point did you know, like, the career was over? Career was over, man. Because I know that's a tough – it's a tough situation or yeah Yeah. once I broke my foot I kind of knew the career was over and during that point it was so early in the season it was about the start of December when I broke my foot Uh uh-huh and um you know they said I was gonna be out for a year or year so and that would take me to my senior year yeah and from there I'm pretty much out of college so yeah from there I was like let me just change the direction of my life right now and pretty much just focus on uh, learning as much information I can, either through finance or real estate, you right. know, creative financing, uh, just find a different way that I could go about making, you know, the amount that I wanted to make initially, you know, trying to make it to the NBA, you know, yeah, around there. Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize there's so many ways to go about getting money. So mm-hmm. a lot of people that are playing basketball, you guys are doing it because you want to make money. You want to provide for yourself, your family, that luxurious lifestyle. But there's dudes walking around who are real estate investors, finance managers who are living a similar lifestyle. Maybe they're not blowing money and blowing thousands at the club, but you can live a fruitful and luxurious lifestyle doing something else. What was your first business? First business was directly out of college. Uh, I wanted to try a um you know, Shopify store, uh-huh. you know, I heard that was the, that was a big thing back when I graduated about, you know, five years ago with Shopify. So what I first did was I went to B-Stock. That's a wholesale website. You uh-huh. have to be a, a registered wholesale with your, your state. Uh-huh. And from there, I just went through uh, what products they had on there. And um, I found some pretty much, I call them Apple packs. They were wholesaling Apple chargers with also, it was, I believe, screen protectors. Uh-huh. So I just put those together, called the Apple Packs, and, you know, just start marketing it, see how it would uh, turn out. How did you go about marketing it? Well, uh, I went on Instagram, and, you know, this is where I made my first mistake. I named the product Apple Pack. You can't put Apple in your name, obviously. Okay. So what happened was, um, you know, I made a couple, I believe 100, 150 sales, got them all out, then 
a week later, they actually banned me from marketing. They just banned my account completely. And um, even your Shopify. No, no, Shopify was still going, but you know, without marketing, how was I gonna pretty get, much get yeah get anyone there? to buy? Yeah, yeah. And it was very creative um, pricing, so I, it was actually free. So I, I try. It was free. All they paid for was the shipping, uh-huh. and the shipping ended up being you know ten twelve dollars, but the product itself only cost about three four dollars. You know, once I did bundle it, so uh-huh. it was creative. You know, it was free to the consumer's eye but once they do did the shipping they're pretty much paying me the profits you know, yeah four x the the uh, material cost yeah that's what i do for my uh for my book so oh nice okay. yeah so that is a very creative strategy mm-hmm. what got you into because you said you're a regional finance manager at one of the largest investment banks in america how did you get connected or involved in something like that because that's high level yeah so um initially i went to my school's job fair which they had no opportunities that I liked, you know, they just, it was management positions, which I I didn't want to go into because it was a base salary, right? So Uh where I work and what I do, I get paid commission on top. So I kind of wanted to go to a place that I could, my um, work, say if I work harder, it would match my pay. Say if you go to a salary job, you can work as hard as you you want, but you only get paid the the salary they're giving to you. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I talked to, um, you know, one of my best friends now, he was actually a regional finance manager for the first company I went into Uh and we met at a USF job fair. Um, you know, I I took the initiative and, um, went to another school's job fair Uh and found that opportunity and I received other job offers, but again, their salary. And I just wanted something that, you know, could get you paid at the end of the day, you know, paid well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what is that? What is being a regional finance manager at these banks? What does that entail? What does a day-to-day look like? Okay, that's a good question. Um, well, day-to-day, pretty much just talking. We're a B2B lender, so uh-huh. I only talk to the head honcho, you know, the, the owner of the company. And I, I go, you know, go through his plan throughout the year. What is he looking to purchase? If he's going to need working capital, line of credit, uh, just see, you know, what he's going to need. Uh, you know, say if it's a, a trucking company, when uh-huh. is he looking to explain his uh, fleet, when he's going to add to his fleet? And, uh, you know, we'll get those, you know, get them approved and he'll go shopping from there and pretty much we'll send the funds out and he'll get his equipment. So you got into the regional finance and I'm sure you're you're stacking up your money. When did you decide to get the um, the first real estate property? Okay. The first real estate property, it should have happened two to three years before it actually happened, but... Um, pretty much I was looking into the wrong markets, the overpriced markets looking, um, to build that huge down payment, you know, save, you know, hundreds, 150,000 in these, you know, say the Las Vegas market, because uh-huh. you have to pay 25% down. And then it's kind of different than having a, uh, you know, buying a residential property uh-huh. because with that, you could just have the bare minimum that they need, you know, say they need 30,000 for down payment and closing costs. Uh, you you only need thirty thousand if it's your home you're gonna live at. Say for investment property, you need the closing costs twenty five percent down, and also a six months um, of running capital. They say it's operating capital. Uh-huh. Capital. So it was a huge down payment out of save. Uh, first property I got was about a year back, and um, uh-huh. that was in Cleveland. It was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose that area? Cleveland. Uh, it's just the expanding area. The 
price point for a property is under the national me- that national average, which uh-huh. is I believe the national average right now is around three sixty. The medium property in Cleveland's only one twenty. Uh-huh. So uh, they say if you get a property under the um, national average, it's more likely to be recession proof. Even though it, it's not, it will you know if there is depreciation, it'll come out come down less than the median average. How do you go about finding your renters? See, that's how, you know, I wanted to get into it completely passive. So Uh pretty much the first thing I I feel like you would need to do if you want to just completely passive um, rental income Uh is number one, just find a great um, property manager. Uh Yeah, find a great property manager. They are connected you know, greatly in that area. So you could pretty much find the realtors you work with, uh-huh. the contractors, and also, like you say, the the tenants. So yeah. they, they have great marketing because that, that's their business. That's their niche. And they could pretty much take that over for you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have any, because I know a lot of real estate investors, especially on the East Coast, they have a lot of niche kind of tenants like Section 8 or foster care or yeah. like... Uh, like mobile homes and stuff like no, that. Seriously. Have you gotten involved in any of that? I want to get into Section 8. You know, that is, um, you know, say the next year or two goal. But right now I'm just renting to blue-collared um, individuals. So people that's just working regular jobs, getting uh-huh. the regular W-2. Yeah. That, that's who I'm targeting right now because, um, say, the neighborhoods that I'm in, uh-huh. that's, um, you know, pretty much where they're living. Yeah. Have you had any issues with renters so far? No, uh, not, I've had zero issues, but it's only been a year, you know, it's been only a few properties also. How many in total? Three. Three? Yeah. So what was like, you went and got your first one. You said it was a large down payment. Wasn't, so it was a conventional loan. It wasn't an FHA. Yeah. For, uh, investment properties, you actually can't do, um, FHA. You had to live in it for a year first or something, right? Yeah, exactly. FHA. Um, you know, if you're going to go that route and you're wanting to be a real estate investor, I would get a, you know, multifamily, get a threeplex, fourplex, if that's what you're going to, to do for an investing. For, yeah. For so you're coming out of 20% for each property or using any of the equity? Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, first one was the equity out of it. Uh-huh. All right. F- first one out of it, you know, the 25% down. Uh-huh. And from there I leveraged a line of credit and f- just scaled from there. But it, I did come, you know, out of pocket cause, um, past year they've been depreciating. So I didn't get the full, uh, down payment out, but the, that's no problem. I just, um, you know, put my more money into it, reinvest it uh-huh. and, uh, just kept leveraging. Yeah, absolutely. And what are because I know there's a lot of tax benefits yeah. with real estate. What are some that you've leveraged so far? Uh, this is actually my first year for. You oh know, yeah, tax yeah. So it was all this year. I've done all three properties just this year. Oh yeah, and that's three properties in a year is. Well, you're moving pretty pretty fast. Yeah, well, exactly. I graduated four or five years ago, and I actually wanted to do this the first year out of college. So I was pretty much just saving for that whole time. Um, got kind of caught into cryptocurrency, so that slowed down the process a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I got back into it, and, and it pretty much worked out good. So. Yeah. What got you into doing this, per se? Like, why did you choose this route versus the millions of other ways that you could have went? 
Well, I was always interested in, um, you know, real estate ever since I was a little kid. I was actually, uh, you know, in New York with my parents when I was probably in the second, third grade. And I just realized, like, someone has to own all these huge buildings. Yep. And from there, I was like, I want to be one day one of those people owning those buildings. So from there, I was just built a, a, a passion for real estate. And I did hoop in college. And my plan going into college was to take my basketball career as far as I can. But I always knew my backup plan would be in real estate. I thought I would be a realtor, uh-huh. but I, I didn't want to go down that route why not? at all. Because I got my, I remember I got my license right after high school. Oh, nice. Um, why not? Just because I, I wanted to go in the finance industry. I got yeah. a good job once I first got out. But say if that job didn't come through, I might have ended up a realtor. But, yeah. you know, opportunity came up. Yeah, opportunities. I remember when I yeah. first got my license and I was banging on like 100 doors oh. a day. I was going at it. I was like, it's been three months and I haven't made okay. any money. And uh, I was looking for a different opportunity. Then I got into like the credit space and everything like that. Oh. You mentioned the line of credit that you leveraged to get the second property was that a business line of credit was a home equity like what line of credit was that yeah right now i'm actually doing everything through my personal name uh-huh. i'm gonna eventually transition to uh you know to my business name once i get to you know five seven properties that's when i'll bring everything over but yeah it was just through my uh personal credit so you know you got to keep the credit score high just to yeah to get a line of credit i believe it's a uh, 700 or 720 that they, they want right now for a line of credit. Yeah, absolutely. How did you go about building your credit score? A lot of people aren't even really thinking about that. Yeah. Um, well, I realized that from going out of college that I needed good credit to be in real estate. So from there, I just, you know, did what needs to be done, which is, um, you know, pay all the bills on time and also get as many trade lines as I can. Cause being in the finance industry, break down what that is. Yeah. Trade lines. Um, that's very important. So, um, you need at least four to be taken serious. So that's either the way I did it was through credit cards. You know, uh-huh. I opened many credit lines through, um, all the major lenders. Then I also took some through, uh, small banks and I leveraged about, you know, eight to 10 credit cards, a credit limit of about 40 to 50,000. And once you once you're in good standings with the, these lenders, they pretty much show that you know you're going to pay back. So yeah. when I went to go get approved for my first real estate property, it was really no problem, even though um, I was at a younger age than, the, uh-huh. than they would expect. How did you get the forty? The to forty? Yeah. How did you go about getting it there? Okay, so one day I was just like, uh, I need some credit cards, obviously to just to advance my credit, uh-huh. and um, I just applied to different credit cards all at once Uh, that's actually called stacking and that's not the best thing to do ethically or legally because you know i am in the uh, finance industry so Uh they named that stacking it is i I believe illegal through business i'm not sure through you know personal probably frowned upon through personal Mm -hmm. and um you know i just got approved for about seven or eight different credit cards at the same time and just uh, took the offers and they're all around the same similar um credit limit so when you say stacking, you just, uh, you applied for all the credit cards at once? Yeah, at once, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, because I'm kind of familiar with that. Like, if you have, like, three computers 
laid out and you have like three applications was it something like that and you just like hit submit all at the same time no not like that it's just that i believe when you do take a, a credit line or you know a credit card it does report or show up on your credit for the first month or, right. or two so i wasn't you know that wasn't my um your intention attention to you know to stack it was just i wanted credit card so i applied and once they gave me those great limits, you know, they started at 8,000, 10,000, you know, 5,000. I just took them out once and it, it pretty much worked out. Oh, okay. That's dope. I, usually people aren't starting off at that much. That's why I was kind of like wondering how you went about increase. How often did you ask for a credit limit increase or did they just give it to you? That all happened within one month, you know, a few weeks, but I had a great W2, you know, making over six figures. So they were willing to to lend to me. And I had one college card, which limit was about thousand dollars, but I was always good standing with them. So, um, once it came to apply for that, you know, they, they pretty much just was ready to give me money there. You know, hopefully that, that'll take it. Cause I was a good candidate. Yeah, absolutely. Now what's, what do you think the next step is in the real estate journey? Yeah. Real estate is all about leveraging. It's, you know, there's good debt, bad debt. Um, it's pretty much just taking, good debt on building your portfolio and moving to, to bigger projects. You know, right now I'm in the single family space uh -huh. and my goal is to get to the, um, it, it pretty much goes single family, multifamily. And then my ultimate goal is to get to the commercial, you know, owned, uh, uh it's pretty much just where it's saying like well, office space, not office space, but like retail space. Maybe? Yeah. Retail space. There right, we go. Yeah. Went completely blank. It's <laughs> nah. pretty much just where, you know, all of the um, grocery stores are at, Best Buy's, yeah. just own a, a complete uh, property like that. So th that's where I'm heading to, hopefully, you know, next 10, 20 years, get something like that. But pretty much just keep leveraging and, and see how that, that turns out. So you started off pretty young in, you know, the business space. Let's say I'm 20 years old. What approach should I take if I know nothing about business? Yeah, the first thing that you shouldn't do is, you know, once you come up with a, a passion or product is I say don't rush to register your business as an LLC only because uh, what I see, you know, in, in the finance industry uh -huh. is um, overhead kills a business. If you're over leveraged, that's how you'll lose. So um, by registering as an LLC, you, be, you have a, a yearly cost and a, a first cost that's associated with that. Yeah. Um, if anything, the first thing you should do is um, test um, your, your market. So pretty much test your market, see if it's feasible to do, if it uh, could actually turn a profit before uh, registering as an LLC and creating those extra costs that, you know, pretty much might kill your business. Say you're in California, the yearly cost. It's to like a, 900, right? Yeah, it's, it's 800, but oh, 800. pretty much uh, 900. So if you have no revenue, that's going to pretty much kill the business off. You're not good standing with the, the state anymore. And, you know, you pretty much killed it before you started. Not in good standing with the state. Yeah. W what would that mean for them going forward? Uh, pretty much you can't operate in that state. Um, it's your SOS, Secretary of State. Uh, you're either good standing or not good standing. And th that typically comes with um, not paying your taxes. So that's when you become not good standing. And... Let's say in the event somebody gets in bad standing, how would they, how would they get out of, of, of that? Well, pretty much that comes with just paying the, the fees to uh, whatever state you're operating in. So uh, you come, you know, good standing pretty easily. If you got some money, you just 
pretty much pay them. Okay. And, and it's okay, because I never heard of that. So I was I was curious about that. Yeah. But what are some things that I should avoid outside of just, you know, not going and getting too much overhead too fast? Yeah. You're saying what uh, should you do? What should I avoid? Avoid. Like, give us a list of things that we should avoid and then some things that we should do when we get started. Okay, so first, you know, once you first get start, started, don't run to, you know, get too much overhead cost. Uh-huh. Um, also, uh, what not to do. Because we, we want to make sure we don't have any overhead. We want to make sure we're in good standing. Anything with like our marketing that we should do or even testing the, testing the, um, the market, how would I go about doing that? Yeah, testing the market, um, if anything, know who you're marketing to, know the audience you want to reach, who's going to actually buy your products. Uh-huh. And, and from there, you know, you could guide your marketing to, um, you know, your audience, obviously. And, um, you know, what you shouldn't do is, um, sorry, I had a good point. I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah, no worries, no worries. You, and ju- just to kind of recap, you got to know your audience, re- avoid the the overhead situation, and then, uh, and if you have notes, you can go ahead and pull them out. Well, also, you should have a good uh, go-to-market plan. So you should have an exact plan, how you're going to execute it, you know, one, two, three steps, what are you going to do next? Uh, because they say also what kills businesses isn't because you have a bad product uh-huh. or a bad service. It's just how you're going to market. So if you go to market wrong, it could completely just kill off the business. Yeah. Now, as far as like testing the products, what did you do? Because you mentioned you started the, the, the Spotify, not the Spotify, the Shopify store. What did you do to test it? I didn't test anything for that only because it was a charger and I believe everybody needs a charger. You're going to need that. And it was such a low cost. I feel like once someone's seen that, um, well, my strategy was just being the cheapest charger on, on market. Pretty Uh much, you know, it it was free. Uh, The shipping is what got me my profits. So, um, you know, that was my strategy. Yeah. Going to market, I was saying, they're going to see me, you know, you pretty much getting a free charger, screen protector, and, you know, what could beat that pretty much? That's why I was thinking going into it. Yeah. And did you start any other businesses after that, or did you go right into real estate and the regional finance? No, that, uh, that's the only business I started was just that one. And, um, you know, went to the, reg- went to the finance industry, uh-huh. worked up the ladder for a year or two and got to the regional finance manager position. How did you get there in a year? That goes with, you know, working hard. Pretty much was the first one in the office. Um, you know, once you first get into the, the industry, pretty much you're banging the, the the phones. You're just on the phone trying to stir up business. It's pretty much like Wolf of Wall Street. You know? uh-huh. You've seen when they're all in the pit. I used to work at Hilton, and I sold the the timeshare packages over the phone. So I, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I know the environment. The pit, right? Yeah. 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 Um, pretty much you're in the pit just banging away, and you're, you know, you want to be the top in the you know, whoever's next to you, you know, you want to be number one so you can move up. And there was a lot of turnover. Once I first got into there, um, I was only in that company for say a year, year and a half. And I seen about 30, 40 people get fired because, you know, they weren't that great at sales. Mm. How did you go about getting your sales skills? 
uh, the niche I try to reach is just being simple and also, you know, be ready to go whenever they're calling. Um, don't try to beat around the bush. Uh-huh. Just show them exactly what, what they're going to have. Did you ever take any training? Because I remember right after high school, I was like, Mom, since you're not going to have to pay for, like, all this other stuff. It's funny you mentioned The Wolf of Wall Street. I remember I seen that film. I think I was, like, a junior in high school. And I was, like, I was captivated by it. Yeah. But obviously I was still playing basketball. But once I, once I left or once I graduated high school, instead of going to college, I actually took Jordan Belford's, like, his, his straight line yeah. program. I think it was like $6,000 at the time. It was like oh. the full comprehensive one. Was it so worth it? It was worth it. Oh, it was because, worth it. Okay, for sure. Because after, and I, I was learning all the, all the stuff, and I, I, worked at the, I worked at Hilton, and then I became a realtor, and then I started my, uh, my credit agency. And all the script building and stuff like that is kind of what gave me my baseline. So I thought it, it was definitely worth it. And even just my communication, it allows me to run this podcast. It allows me yeah. to make so many videos because I've been producing on social media for like five years now, five years. And it allows me to like really vocal variety, asking the right questions, all that stuff it taught me. Yeah. How did you build your base? Well, with that industry, they actually give you training as soon as you get in. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, they give you a a test the first week you're there. And if you fail the test, they fire you right there. Uh-huh. So it's kind of crazy. You know, uh-huh. you decline the rest of your job offers and um, they give you a test the first week. And, and if, if it doesn't go good, you're pretty much back on the, the job market. What do you mean? Dec- they make you decline all your job offers? Well, because you're taking this one. So, you know, you're taking this job. So I would assume, you know, you're telling the other jobs you're not. You're not gonna. Uh, in theory, you're taking it right because what if you fail the test? Well, they don't tell you about the test when you actually get hired. It's oh. kind of crazy. Yeah, they don't. They don't tell you about the test. Uh, you pretty much get there, and the first day they tell you to get you know studying. They give you a packet. The first five days you're in classes, just learning about the industry, uh-huh. and then they throw you that test at the end of the weekend. Wow. So, how are you gonna do? You know. <laughs> Dang, that is crazy. So really, yeah. you really do have to apply yourself. When I it, it was it was kind of ratchet at Hilton. Okay. It, was, it was it was just like read the script, yeah, go at it, and just I, produce pretty much. Yeah, just yeah. produce like mm-hmm. we did. I think it was like a three day training, and most of it it wasn't really sales training. We were just learning about Hilton, okay. and you ever see like those movies where they're kind of making fun of the the situation where they're like, yeah, you can become. Uh, look at all the nice cars outside. You could become a millionaire. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Uh-huh. Did you experience any? That's exactly how they got me there. So when ah. I talk, when I talked to my the regional finance manager at the time, who's actually my best friend now, um, the first question he asked me was, "Do you like making money?" And that's <laughs> that was the reason why I was trying like, to find yeah. a job. I was like, "Yeah, I love making money." <laughs> what, what do you mean? And he said, "Well, this is a place to be." And um, you know, it's funny. He actually showed me his W-2. He says, I'm not lying to you. You know, I'm not selling you a dream. This is where you could make a killing, pretty much. Yeah, almost like the the movie. Yeah, yeah, Washington, where he's like, I have a, how much do you make per month? $72,000 yeah. per month. He's like, you showed me a check for 72000 I quit my job right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, uh. My, my friend, you know, the regional fa- finance manager at the time, uh-huh. uh, he actually 
loved that movie, and that's how he was trying to guide the the office. Yeah. Um, was it the atmosphere. culture? The yeah. Culture. yeah, yeah. He was uh, guiding it towards that that movie. He always referenced that movie the whole year and a half I was yeah, there. Yeah, salespeople love that. I they love do. that movie. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. I, I love the movie. Yeah, too, absolutely. Sure. And you you work your way up after a year, so you must you must be banging the lines like you're you're making sales like you're producing for the company at a high level within the first year correct yeah so uh pretty much the first company i went to that's a startup company um you know people go in there to you know see if they could one do the job and from there they'll leverage the job to see if they get to a, a better finance company that's exactly what i did uh-huh. um you know once i got there my quota was only maybe fifty thousand. Now where I'm at, my per quota month. is yeah per month. Uh-huh. My quota now is five hundred and fifty thousand, so it, it's a huge turnover. Um, yeah, so that the culture there is pretty much get it done, or you know you got to get out the door. What does it look like? Like, do you do? You, is there a lot of meetings? Do you have to answer to a lot of people, or is it just like come in and get the work done? Yeah, I actually work from home, so um, you're on your own schedule. I say sales is the closest to. Closest thing to entrepreneurship because you know you're on your you're on your own time. Yeah, you I make agree. your own schedule, and if you don't do anything, nothing's gonna happen. Um, it's just like being a, a business owner. If you you know if you if you slack one day, you might not have anything you know to eat the next week. Pretty much, so, yeah. Uh, it's pretty much just banging out, grinding, and um, you know see see what happens from there. What are the requirements for a job like this? Requirements. Well, it's initially to get in the, the industry, they typically require three to five years in um, sales experience. Uh-huh. And the place I'm at now, they actually require 10 years of sales experience. But um, because of, you know, my connection there, they got me in there early because I've only have, you know, four or five years of finance um, was experience. Did they, did they uh, kind of check the degree? Did they care about that or did they just want to know if you could sell? No, they, they check the degree. The degree will get you in the door, I say, if you don't have the initial five years of experience. Okay. Yeah. but So it's like five years experience or a degree. Or a degree. Or just be great at sales, like you say. And, you know, they'll realize as soon as you walk in. Once you, uh, you know, talking to whoever's interviewing you, they could, you know, they'll see if you're a type of person that could, you know, get these the sales done. Yeah, that can handle this kind of environment because yeah. it is intense, like <laughs> – did you do you guys have like when somebody makes a sale? Are you guys like ringing a bell? That's or funny. Any, yeah, no, like that. Yeah, uh, my first job when I worked in office, that's exactly how we had a bell. Once you yeah. find a deal, you actually <laughs> yeah, you the, go ring the bell. Yeah, you ring the bell. Yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, woo. Yeah, exactly. People are juice because uh, you have a. It's high energy every day. Yeah, it is because if you don't, you're not. You know, you're not eating. Yeah, you can't you can't pick up the phone and be like, "Hey, is this Charles? Yeah. Like, I, I want to sell you something." Yeah, exactly. Like, you gotta be like, "Hey, is this Charles?" Yeah, like, exactly. you gotta be on it. Yeah, yeah you gotta exactly. be on it uh, at all times, pretty much. But uh, yeah, I think those are those are really good points because the fact that either five years sales experience or the or the degree, I think that's important for people to know because. I remember the first time I got involved in sales. My mom, yeah. she um, she works. She's like the top timeshare lady oh, nice. out here. Okay. And we actually moved to Vegas so she can do timeshare yeah. because uh, she ran like a T-Mobile store back in our hometown, Victorville, California. We we moved out here, and when I was sixteen, I went out with her. Yeah. Okay. And I was doing it out. I was doing the timeshare, 
And I was like, this is tough. Oh, it's tough, yeah. It, it's tough. Sales because in all, always Because we're out yeah. on the street, mm-hmm. uh, on the strip, and we're, like, just approaching random people. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, you bring me, because uh, she got paid, like, 100 per couple. Like, you bring me a couple, I'll give you 50. Okay. Nice. And I'm like, shoot. I was like, I'm down. Yeah. So I went out there with her, and I remember – I forgot what I said, but I made up like this because I didn't get any training or anything. I just went out. Yeah. So I was just saying whatever. And I I was like, oh, I know you guys have a, you, you guys have a bad taste in your mouth about timeshare. But if you guys give us one shot, I promise you that uh, we can hook you up and get you some gifts. So, so you guys can have a better time out in Vegas. And they signed up. Yeah. And I was like, I think I can do this. Yeah. If you're good at sales, you know, your potential is, you know, Un- uncapped pretty much See, with sales you could make as much as a business owner so yeah i believe the the average business owner ceo makes only about three hundred thousand. so yeah you know after they pay themselves so yeah about three hundred thousand. and with sales you know i have people in the company making 1.5 million two million so um you know you're gonna get if you get good at sales then um you know it could take you anywhere you want well how do you think someone should go about getting good at sales Getting good at sales? Yeah, because you have your naturals. Okay. And you have people who are like, over time, they cultivate their skills, and then uh, they can kind of compete with those naturals after enough work is put in. Yeah, I do need to work on sales because, you know, I'm not the top on my team. I'm middle. I'm, you know, Uh average on my team. And, um, you know, pretty much, if you have a good product, you could be bad at sales. I'm not saying I'm bad at sales, but it depends on the product. If you have a hard product to sell, yeah. you could be the greatest salesman. It might not work out. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it all depends. Yeah, absolutely. What What's the system you took to improve your skills from, because you, obviously you weren't learning sales when you, when you were playing basketball. Yeah. So what was the system to even get started? Because picking up the phone and just calling a random person is tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sales, I, I believe, you know, if you're natural at it, it kind of works out. And that, that kind of what happened with me. I was kind of good at it from the first day I started. It, uh-huh. was, it was just lucky. But uh, sales is an everyday thing. You know, if you can sell yourself, it's, um, you know, it, it should be easy to make it anywhere else. Yeah, just transfer that certainty over to someone else. Yep. Is there any books that you read that kind of helped along the way? Because I, I've read my stack of sales books is yeah. is high. Uh, do, do you read a lot of sales books, courses, stuff like that? Not lately, no. In the past, I say two to three years, it's, it hasn't been that much. How about much. when you started? Well, the only books I was reading when I first got started was real estate books. Uh-huh. You know, with sales, um, you know, I, I love my job, but my my goal was always to get out of the job. So, you know, make oh. as much money as I can, invest that. And, you know, hope my passive income could make me just, you know, be done with a nine to five. Yeah. So I'm pretty much just working the transitional uh, way. So just yeah. stack the money, get it working for you. And so you could get out of your, you know, nine to five. So your focus is just doing as much as you can in your space and leveraging it all over in the passive income so you can control your time 100 percent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm aggressive investor. I'm risky aggressive but you know if you don't if you don't have risk you're not gonna have any you know you're not gonna have the rewards so uh, I actually try to go for as much risk as I can which isn't the the best uh, way to go about things but yeah. that's the way I'm comfortable with doing things yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. Um, another thing 
uh, as a business owner, just remember your job is to make the phones ring. So if the phone's ringing, most likely you're making money. If you're not doing the, you know, uh, objectives or uh, processes that you should put in place and uh -huh. the phones aren't ringing, that's all on you. And yeah. make the phone ring and, and you'll make some money. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, what would you say to someone who is in a situation where, like, my, my career is about to come to an end. I got no idea. I might For be a rapper. Wise, right? Yeah, I might be a rapper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much just find out, you know, what's your interest. Cause, because pretty much if you, um, you know, find out what you like and you're the top of that space, you're going to make money. It, it doesn't matter what, what you're doing. You know, someone's making, you know, 100 million selling uh, pool noodles, you know, the, right. you know, selling toothpicks. You don't need to be something you know, great. And you just could sell simple items, you know, sell it out of a bulk at, you know, volume and you can have a great life, you know, without uh, basketball or whatever sport you play. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like there's some kind of advantage that you got from playing basketball, some of the discipline, working with people that you don't necessarily, you may or may not like dealing with coaches? Do you feel like it's an advantage in business now? Yeah, I feel like it is an advantage because when I was playing basketball, I was always, you know, the hardest worker, you know, starting off as early as I can, uh, you know, going as late as, you know, the last person is going to be. So pretty much just working hard because uh, without working hard, you can't work smart. So um, pretty much just getting that grind in as, you know, make the grind you as a person, you know, pretty yeah. much grind at everything you do and you will be successful. Yeah, and I think... <laughs> One of the reasons, and like you said, like I was the guy that was showing up early, leaving late, and a lot of those habits and rituals I applied to business. So I was able to start and get things going whenever I did something exactly. very, very quickly because I was in on it. I was in on it. So I think that a lot of people should leverage that those traits and those things that, the, things that they learn along the way in order to propel them further in life instead of just kind of living in that kind of living in the past. I know a lot of dudes who just, they, they won't let go. Yeah. They no, won't. I do see that. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it's yeah. tough to see because there's so many things. And I think the media has a lot to do with that for dudes that look like us. Like, it's you don't see a lot of people doing other things yeah. outside of uh, rapping and playing basketball. So I think it's important to have people on like you and discuss other options. Now, what services... And how can people get in contact? What services do you offer? How can people get in contact with you? Uh, my business is O&M Group. Uh -huh. And pretty much we offer uh, services to get you in your first rental. We'll help you out with our connections we have in, in the areas throughout the, the country. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, once you do save that 20% down, that's when, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get you there the right way. We won't, um, you know, once you, once you try something new, that's when you'll make the most mistakes because, you know, you, yeah. you don't know much, you know. So uh, by, you know, helping, you know, by us helping you with uh, getting in the first rental, uh, by leveraging our connections, you'll get it the right way. Uh -huh. You know, your vacancy will be, uh, you know, hopefully not there, you know. Right. It would be pretty much turnkey. That, that's what we're hoping for. It. We're, we're a turnkey uh, real estate company. Wow. Once I get the 20% saved, I might have to uh – reach out to you myself because I definitely want to get involved in this. 
Guys, all of his uh, links and his social medias will be in the description box down below. And if you guys have any questions about real estate, feel free to reach out to him on Instagram. His Instagram, his links, everything will be down below. And I really do appreciate you coming on today, brother. I appreciate it. Man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. I, I do appreciate it a lot. But also going back to, to working hard, I feel like uh -huh. that's the biggest uh, thing for entrepreneur. Because once you first get into a field, you're not you're not going to know what's going to, you know, what's happening, what's right. going to go on the next 10 to 12 months. Uh, pretty much once you're once you first get in, that's when you should be consuming everything that you you can pretty much because there's no way that you could work smart without working hard because working smart comes from, you know, being an expert of your craft. And, and that's being an expert comes from. Just working hard, exactly. Yep. And, um, you know, that's once you work hard, you know, consume everything that you can, that's when you'll um, be able to cut corners. Well, not cut corners. Um, just pretty much make everything, um, what would it be? Kind of avoid some of the mistakes other people have made in it, a way. You can leverage, like, if you made some mistakes and I go with you, you could be like, hey, don't do this, this, and that. So leveraging other people's mistakes as well yeah, exactly. through, through your education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, all his stuff is going to be in the description box down below. I will see you guys on the next episode. Peace.